0: In this series, we're celebrating how God empowers us. We're going through a book in the Bible called Second Timothy. And it's a conversation relationship between Paul and Timothy. Paul is mentoring Timothy. And as you go through this book, if you're mentoring someone, discipling someone, you're gonna pick up a lot of helpful and practical ways that you can communicate and build them up. And also, if Timothy, he's someone who's sometimes timid, And all of us wrestle with feeling scared, amen? All of us in different situations. And this book is a good reminder that God empowers people who feel kind of scared so that we rely on him. And then God does things with you, in you, and through you beyond what you could imagine. And this is an encouraging book as we're going through this book of 2 Timothy. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can open it up and find chapter two. If you need a Bible, let us know as well. And we're journeying together. We're growing in our faith together. You know, we are made to pursue, you are made to pursue and you are pursuing things in your life. And it's helpful at church sometimes to slow down the pace, a place where we can stop and think, meet with God, listen to God. And you're gonna have a chance today to really think about what are you pursuing? And also what do you need to run away from to make room for God in your life? That's our focus today in this passage, let's pray. Father God, thank you that you first pursue us. And Lord, with your grace and love and truth, and we're here to worship, receive, and then also live for you, abide and respond. God, we thank you that we are one family, your family. I thank you that you've gathered us together, different ages and stages of life, different cultures and nationalities. And God, I pray that we would become even more like one family. Uh, Lord, with your love, because unity and love glorifies you, Jesus. And that's what we're all about. And today, God, we pray that you teach us, grow us, guide us, and protect us for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. In your walk with God, in this relationship you have with the living God, it's very key to discern what do you run towards and what do you run away from? There are some things you need to run away from. There are certain patterns, destructive patterns, attitudes to run away from, traps, temptations. It's important to identify and flee. On the other side, what do you run towards? Run towards opportunities, run towards truth, run towards certain people, run towards God's promises. Part of pursuing is intentionally running towards. And as you say no to some things, it's gonna make more room in your life for what God wants to do in you this week. Now, underneath running to and running away, let's really go deeper and be honest with God. In your life right now, what are you really going after? What is God leading you to run after? If you were gonna write down your top three, if you pulled out a pen or on your phone in the notes, you wanted to write down, here are the three things that I really believe God has made it clear that I'm going after right now in this season. What are they? And for Timothy, one of those three, it was clear that he was gonna lead the church in Ephesus. He didn't plan to do this. Some of the greatest blessings in your life are not gonna be planned. They're not on your calendar already, but God is gonna reveal it and affirm it and confirm it. And leading this church in Ephesus was something that for Timothy was a little scary. Now, God might very well lead you out of your comfort zone into something that feels scary. So you're gonna need to walk close with God as you move forward with what he's deposited in that path. We'll identify that, and today we're gonna focus on three questions that are empowering. The first question, how does God empower you with spiritual tools and resources? What are the spiritual tools and resources that God has given to you? And we begin in verse 15, where we read, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. In verse 20, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wooden clay. Some for noble purposes, some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Verse 15 begins with do your best. And that's not an appeal to humanism. What it acknowledges is that we have a responsibility. To do your best means bring some zeal, bring some passion, bring some focus and go for it. Do your best in one specific area. And Timothy, do your best in handling the word of truth. The Bible is like no other book. It's God's word, it's living and active. And Timothy, this is gonna be the foundation of your life, your ministry, your teaching. Everything that's coming out of you, Timothy, first comes in you from God. So do your best as a workman to handle God's word. Now, how many people here like tools? Have a lot of tools? All right, I hear it in the front row. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, some of you want to build another garage and buy more tools. And some of you have a lot of skills with tools. And other ones, it's a lot of trial and error and you're watching YouTube videos you have to respect someone that has tools and can use tools. We had fences on both sides of our backyard that were completely falling apart. And one neighbor rebuilt the fence. And with the tools, uh, did an amazing job. The other neighbor just rebuilt the other side of the fence. Are we not blessed to have two neighbors that have great skills and tools? And I'm watching them use their tools. I'm trying to support in little ways. I'm not a handyman, but I appreciate. And I'm looking at those fences and gates now thinking, wow, they put those up there so well, so quickly. They know how to use their tools. This is a tool that God's given to you. It's a sword. It's offensive. In a world where there's a lot of darkness, this is the tool of light and it's a tool of love. And you're gonna use this tool because this tool is gonna transform lives in ways that you can't. You love people and you don't know how to quite help them out in their hearts, but you're gonna share this tool and this word and their lives are gonna change. This word is powerful. And so you've been given this tool and Paul says to Timothy correctly, handle the tool. Know the tool because this tool, when you cut, you wanna cut straight. I'm watching them make the fences. They got a straight cut. You wanna have a straight cut in alignment with God. And this is God's thoughts and God's ways. A culture, that's a people's thoughts and a people's ways. And some of them are good and some of them drift, but the Bible is God's words and it's God's thoughts and God's ways. So Timothy, this word right here is eternal. There's not a lot in this room that's eternal. This word is eternal, you are eternal. People in the Bible, eternal. This is your foundation. It doesn't fade, it doesn't change. This is reliable for eternity. This gift right here, what a gift God has given to us. And so we're gonna make choices. We're either gonna drift from the word or we're gonna go deeper in the word. When we drift from the word, well, we start to drift a little from our purpose in abiding with God. It affects our relationship with God. The word is our nourishment. Your soul is either full or it's kind of famished. And the word is what feeds you. So that nourishment builds you up. When a nation drifts from the word, they will drift spiritually and they will drift morally. You look around at what's happening today in our nation, a lot of it is tied to drifting from God's word and it's important that you handle this word and know this word because the role of God's people, the role of a local church is to be rich in love and clearly and lovingly share the word because the word protects and preserves the society morally and spiritually. And so you need to receive the word and pass on the word. Don't drift from the word. We're seeing what's happening in our culture as you drift from the word. We don't want that. We wanna go deep in the word, in that nourishment, trusting God, trusting his voice. Listen, this is not religion. This is a relationship. In any relationship, the core is trust. And when you listen, you value their voice. You, you, You trust, trusting God, trusting his word. They run together. In Jeremiah, in the book, in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17, Jeremiah was someone who was watching a nation drift from God. And this is what came out of his heart. And sometimes he was weeping because of the people's destructive decisions and unnecessary headaches and heartaches. And he said, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Don't you want that? Don't you wanna stay fresh and green and bearing fruit no matter what's happening in the stock market, no matter what's happening in different parts of our culture, like you can abide in the word and bear much fruit in every season. Psalm one, Psalms are the longest book in the Bible, it's 150 and look how it starts. Psalm one verse one, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If you feel like you're kind of withering, kind of stuck right now, if you don't feel like you're really flourishing, you know what you can do today? Start to go deeper in God's word and take it and meditate on it and start thinking about it. Pick a verse from this passage, start to write it down, memorize it, think about it, look at it, day, during the night, it's gonna protect you from anxiety, it's gonna give you more peace. God's gonna move in your heart and your mind as you spend time in the word, you're gonna flourish because this word is powerful. So don't take this gift for granted, go deeper in the word. You know, the last two years with COVID has revealed many things. Uh, it revealed the importance that we have religious freedoms in this country. And it was with what a cost. But we need to protect those freedoms, celebrate those freedoms. We need to stay together, continue to gather together, right? Not be isolated. And that's one part of it. The flip side of that coin is that when there were restrictions and cautions and things changed, you know, I go back to what's the purpose of a church. The purpose of a church is to build up all the people spiritually. Our our purpose is to build you up so that during the week you can abide with Jesus. You're gonna be in his word. You're gonna be making disciples. You're gonna be serving. You're gonna bring in his love in your community. And it's not all gonna be centered on one building, one hour, one place. And you see, like with our own kids, you know, early age, we put them to bed each night with God's word, with God's word, with God's word. But at age 16, at age 26, I don't want them apart from God's word and they only get it through me. (laughs) I don't want them calling me at 26 like, dad, can we get on the phone so you can read me God's word? (laughs) No, no, you got a Bible. You get into God's word. Okay, when you put in the church context, if this is your main meal during the week, you're only catching part of God's vision because actually you can have meals all week long. If this is your only real meal, spiritually the week, you might be a little bit of a consumer. Things might stay a little bit shallow, right? But if you, if the, listen, the church is not primary for, for feeding God's word. It's important, but it's not primary. Your kids, the church is not primary for discipling your kids, for bringing the word to your kids and grandkids. The church is not primary. Now the church has a place, an important place. We're grateful for Jackie and the ministry is here that build up kids. But don't ever put the church in a position where it's their responsibility. No, no, no. We empower you, God empowers you. You're the one who leads your kids and your grandkids and sets the culture at home. Like this is just a place to support that. And I think if we're gonna grow in America and following Jesus and in our faith, then we've gotta get the church back where it really is. It's it's a help, it's a support, it's a place to learn and be equipped and empowered but really you spend most of the time at home, not here. And that's by God's design. And so in God's word, my encouragement to you, it might be by a study Bible, it might be a Bible reading plan. It might be some new habits, but God's word to build you up and don't wait for church to get into God's word. Uh, because you know why? You're bombarded with false teaching. You are bombarded with false teaching in all different ways, shapes, and sizes coming at you. And the way you're gonna stand is you're gonna stand in the word. Now, Timothy faced false teaching. Gnosticism was a popular false teaching of the day. You know what Gnosticism did? It attacked the gospel. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil's motive is always, in his approach is always, his scheme is always undermine scripture, undermine the gospel, twist it, confuse people. And so Gnosticism was an expression of that. And Gnosticism, they proclaimed that Jesus didn't physically, literally rise from the grave, that it's just an allegory. There's no bodily resurrection. And they tried to take the power out of the gospel. Well, he had to step up and bring the gospel. You might be here today thinking, well, what's the gospel? The gospel literally means good news. I would say it's the best news. And this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, This is the gospel. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, if anyone asks you what's the gospel, you can say this Christ died for our sins and he's risen. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. And he's risen. Now, why do I highlight that? It's of first importance. Is politics of first importance or is the gospel of first importance? You know what happens when a church flips it and goes politics is first and gospel's fourth? Things get divided, strife comes out. People take their eyes off Jesus. The gospel of first importance. Here's another thing about the gospel. Some people try to compartmentalize it and say it's just about salvation. But actually the gospel is about salvation and sanctification. Salvation is a theological term that means you're born again, you're redeemed, you have the forgiveness of sins. It's starting the Christian life, salvation. Sanctification is growing in your faith, becoming more like Jesus. The gospel is central when you put your trust in Jesus, it's central. It's also central in growing. It's central in worship, when you take communion, when you fast, when you pray, when you sing, it's central. It's central in community, when you love one another. Why? Because Christ loved us. Because God forgave us, we're gonna forgive one another. Because Jesus serves us, we're gonna serve one another. It's central. It's central in mission as you leave this place because Christ came to seek and save those who were lost and you're on mission as soon as you step out of this building, you're his ambassador. It's central in your purpose. So we need to bring back the centrality of the gospel. I'll also add this, Barna reports, over 50% of Americans think you earn your way to heaven by being a good person, by being good enough. It's a false gospel. Over, Did you hear that? Over half of America is duped in a false gospel that doesn't save. You can't earn your way to heaven. Does that not motivate you to bring some clarity to the gospel in people you care about so much? We're talking about the gospel. Two parts, the death of Jesus, and that's important. His sacrificial love. That's why you see crosses in churches because we wanna remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why we take communion. That's only half the gospel, as important as it is. The death of Jesus dying in our place, it's an atonement that he, being human, sinless, and God, stepped in and took the wrath of God for us. That's half the gospel. The other half of the gospel is that Jesus is not in the grave. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. If we only focus on the first half of the gospel, we might feel a little bit of a dirge going on. And if we ignore the second half of the gospel that he's risen, now we start to get some confidence. Now we know how the story ends. Now we've got the power of Jesus in me. It's the living Christ and I'm living out the gospel in his name. You see, every week the gospel gets attacked. The Bible gets attacked. The irony, I came to know Jesus at Dartmouth College with a professor teaching a religion class. I never heard about Jesus. The professor tried to undermine Jesus, but the truth of Jesus prevails. We don't have anything greater in this world than Jesus. And when he's lifted up, he will draw people to himself. Timothy, the gospel, the word of God, This is your tool to minister in a confused world. So handle your tool well, Timothy. You are empowered because this is gonna change lives. It's gonna change lives. And then it leaves the second question. Uh, What do you need to run away from and establish wise distance? When you run away from some junk, it makes space and room for God in your life. When you run away from some sin, it makes room for what God wants to do in your life. So what are you gonna run away from today? Well, we start in verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, keep reminding them. The ministry of reminding is not as spectacular. The ministry of reminding, how many are parents or grandparents and are in the middle of the ministry of reminding? And when you remind your kids and grandkids, they say, oh, thank you for reminding me. I so appreciate that. That is just wonderful. You know, Paul's talking to church at Ephesus, they have some knowledge. Like the Corinthians, there's a lot of new stuff for them. The Ephesians, they might be a little more tempted to say, oh, Timothy, we know this. We're so studied in this. I've heard a hundred sermons on this. Timothy this is so basic. That's the feedback you get in the ministry of reminding. But God is continually reminding us. And now Paul reminds Timothy, Timothy reminds there's a ministry of reminding that we all need. Keep reminding them of these things, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on God out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they just produce quarrels. What Paul's saying to Timothy is, stop and check a few things, Timothy. Do you need to run away from anything? First of all, check your conversations. Is there a lot of empty talk? you have a lot of empty, meaningless talk, Timothy? Don't you respect people who hold their tongue and when they say something, it matters? You know those kind of people in your life? I was at a missions fest. Jeff Vanderstelt and I were teaching together this weekend. Then I talked to someone and you know what they said? I was talking about the conference and what they look forward to. And they were talking about what they look forward to. And then they said, this is my challenge with conferences. I just find there's so much small talk It's empty. I just get exhausted and drained. Do you ever get drained and exhausted from all the small talk? Like it isn't going anywhere. And and it's like, what are we even talking about? And I said, well, what would you like to talk about? And this person said, I would just like people to go deeper and maybe share what's really going on in their lives or share what God's doing in their lives or what they're really learning in this season. And I just said like, wow, that says a lot. There's a yearning for us to move past empty, meaningless talk that wastes our breath and time and have something a little deeper. Now on the spectrum, the next one is foolish statements. Avoid foolish statements. And if you're looking for foolish statements, you can just scroll on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook today, you're gonna find dozens of foolish statements. They're not hard to find in our culture. They're really not. And then also ungodly quarreling. When you have unnecessary conflict because of stubborn pride, when you have that kind of conflict, a watching world, you know, not all the world is reading the Bible, but they're all reading us. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you're just in that selfish, stubborn conflict, Do you think a world leans in and says, wow, that's what I want? That's what's missing. How do you get into all those fights? Wow, how are you so stubborn and selfish in your marriage? Oh, I want to see that. Oh, the way you give up on each other. Oh, wow, that's really cool. No, the world's not going to lean in and want more of that. And so we really need to drop some unnecessary some really unnecessary stuff we're doing. Timothy, check your conversations and then check your responses, Timothy. Move past being immature. Move past overreacting. Move past being impatient. Timothy, it's time to grow up. Move past being so argumentative. Timothy, you're bringing it all the time. It's your heart condition and your responses, Timothy. Well, do you mean there's no more eye rolls then? And it's like, well, maybe so, maybe so. Timothy, check that. And then check the people you're running with. And you know what, in the church, bring back accountability. Because if you don't have accountability in the church, you know what, you're just, you're making it a place where sin starts to harbor and destroy people. And it gets intense. And so he says, here's two people that need accountability, Hymenaeus and Philetus. Say, we you calling them out in the Bible like that? Yeah. Calling them out, calling them out. Well, what's the purpose of calling them out? Why would you call them out? Because they're wandering from the truth and they're destroying the faith of other people. You step in when someone starts to take other people down. Oh, come with me, I'll get you drunk. Come with me. I'm gonna start sleeping around with people in the church. Oh, come with me. I got some false teaching. Come with me. No, you just don't kick it back and go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, five more people went down this week. Oh, great. A little more adultery over there. Oh, super. Okay, we'll just watch that. We'll just watch that. No, Timothy, step in and protect the people. Protect the people. First Timothy chapter one, verses 19 and 20, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith, along with them, Himenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan (laughs) to be taught to blaspheme. Okay, what does that phrase mean? You ever read through the Bible, you're like, what is that phrase? Hand them over to Satan. Uh, This is what it means. There's so much destruction that they're doing that there's church discipline and they're no longer in the community of faith. Now that's equivalent to handing someone over to Satan does that not tell us how important it is to be connected in the community of faith? Because when you are trying to do it all alone, you are more vulnerable to Satan's attack in their life. And the purpose isn't that they would go down. The purpose is that they would come to their senses, wake up, repent, apologize, and no longer abuse people, no longer steal the money, that they would repent, come back, and honor and glorify Jesus. That's the purpose of church discipline. So Timothy, if you're thinking leading the church in Ephesus is gonna be a cakewalk, actually leadership's kind of tough and accountability's tough. And it's not just in the church house, it's in our own house. And you know what? You do it in love and you do it in truth and you do it well because it's shepherding. It's all about shepherding and helping empower people and grow up. If you don't handle it, it spreads like gangrene. It spreads like a cold, a flu. If someone's next to you, sitting next to you, and you're like, <laughs> and then they're like, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh no, oh no. You're not shaking that hand. Say, oh, great to meet you too. Wow, really great. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not going near that stuff. Well, sin spreads, folks, in case you haven't noticed. Whoever's in the middle of sin tries to get a bunch more people to sin with them. That's how sin works. Don't say yes to that junk. And so you gotta run away. The Bible says there's things we need to run away from. Running away is wise, distance is wise. You know, if this is the sin junk, the Christian life doesn't look like How close can I get to it? How much time can I spend with it? It, it, Can I touch it? Is it three seconds that it's a sin? Is is it two seconds? Is it 12 seconds? Because I can get 11 seconds in real quick? Um, That's not a picture of wisdom. Wisdom, the Bible says, is flee. The word in the Greek flee means run fast, run fast. So if you're thinking, I'm just gonna hang out with sin, dance with sin, hold sin, See if anyone notices, they don't notice, my Bible study isn't watching, sin over here. It just takes you down. Run away. And here's three areas the Bible says to run away from. Very specific. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Notice, money is not evil. Money is a blessing. You can do great things to change lives with money. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, they wander away from the faith, pierce themselves with many griefs. And so you, man of God, flee from all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. If you run with the love of money, you will use people and take advantage of them. You will compromise your integrity and lie. You will, Chase after materialism that can't satisfy your soul and bring the security that you really want. The love of money, that's the root of all kinds of evil. So flee that thing. If you're tempted with greed, flee that thing, right? Start to being generous instead of greedy and reset your heart. That's one, very specific in the Bible. The second one, and this is flee sexual immorality and impurity. In Genesis 39, Joseph is there with Prodifer's wife. You know what he does? He makes a declaration, which would be a good declaration today. And he says, how could I sleep with this woman? How could I step into any form of adultery and do that and sin against God? It's good to declare your purity. It's good to declare that I wanna honor God with my purity. I wanna make a decision and a declaration. I'm gonna wait till marriage. In this dating relationship, we're gonna set boundaries. You know what? I'm not gonna be flirting around with someone else's wife or husband. I'm not gonna get in that situation that's emotionally inappropriate. I'm not gonna be sneaking pictures of pornography. I'm declaring my declaration today and my decision to honor God with purity. And you make that declaration. And when you do that, now you're gonna need to step in some distance. And after Joseph made the declaration, he said, I'm not, even, I'm not even gonna spend a lot of time with her. I'm not even gonna be with her because all of us are capable of making any sin at any time. All of us are capable. So I'm gonna have some wise distance. I'm not even gonna play the game. She's interested in me. She's seeking me out. She wants to sleep with me. He's, she's married And he literally runs one day because she is literally chasing him. And he runs so fast, he leaves his coat behind. There are some temptations. You need to run so fast that you leave your coat behind. All you know is you got out of there because if you stuck around, nothing good would happen. Some of you need to delete some contacts in your phone, some websites and some apps. Some of you need to get rid of some pornography sites, get some blockers on there and say, today's a new day. I'm gonna run from the junk. I'm walking with Jesus today. It's specific. One more area to run is idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, flee from idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry is elevating anything to the number one spot in your life instead of Jesus. That's idolatry. So what does a culture do? We come up with idols all the time. In the Bible, there's a golden calf. It was idolatry. They, they tried to make excuses. Well, I don't know. We took out our jewelry. We just kind of threw it in the fire and out popped this golden calf. Next thing I know we're worshiping it. You know, it's like... Well, well how, why are you doing this idolatry? I don't know, everyone else was doing it and I just started doing it and pretty soon I didn't realize it and I guess I was just worshiping it. Do we have golden cast in our culture? No, we don't. You're not gonna find one at Fred Meyer today. You're not gonna order one from Amazon today. That's not our culture. So what's the idolatry in our culture? You know where it is? It's right. You know where this is going? It's right. Where's it going? It's right here. My opinions. I'm at the center of everything. Truth is not what God says, it's what I say. Fake Jesus, you just bless wherever I wanna go and what I wanna do. That's the idolatry of today, self-consumed. And the Bible says, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. So in that trap of self-consumed, you run from that deal. You run from that deal because that is gonna suck the life of out of you, life is not at its full when you're self-consumed. Now, should you love yourself? Yes, as you love your neighbor. But there's a big difference between being kind to yourself and making it all about you. And you're gonna see in this culture, a hundred examples of self, it's idolatry. And it's a lack, when Jesus isn't on the throne, we're gonna look to put something else there. And you know what usually goes there in our culture? I'm going on the throne. I'm going on the throne, Jesus, you follow me, because this is what it's all about. And it gets worked and twisted. And out of all of that, no, you run. Intentionality, effort, speed, direction, you go, because it's taking care of your soul. That's what you're doing with this. And you know, trusting Jesus with this because God is faithful, God will give you a way out in every temptation. If you're here today, and this is your time to confess, do that with the Lord. There's no better place to get honest with God. Confess some sin. God is faithful and just. He'll purify you. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. His grace is greater than your sin. There's a new start in Jesus. What are you gonna run from today? What do you need to say? God, I messed up. I just, I went to the past world. I ran with this sin. I'm hiding this secret stuff. God, I, I wanna come back to you today. He runs out to you with open arms and restores, builds you up again. This is a place where the love and grace of Jesus abounds and you can come back home, come back home right now. Someone asked me recently, why is there just not much confession in churches these days? I go to lots of churches, there's just no confession. Well, this is a time, this is a place you can confess. Communion's a time, you confess, you get right. It's like any relationship, the quality can decrease when you confess, repent, Start to change the quality of the relationship. That's what we're talking about with God. You know, we've got phones and uh, empowered with these things that have incredible potential for good and bad. And one thing that you can do on your phone is you can do that. Do You ever do that? Or this? This or this? This? You shrink things, right? This, you make them bigger. You see something on your phone, you do a bunch of this. I want less of that, less of that this way. Or you want more, I want more of that, more of that, more of that, right? So this is what you do, start to shrink the gossip, shrink the slander, right? Shrink the sin. Why? Because that's gonna make room in your life. I wanna expand, God your revelation. I wanna expand a view of you. I wanna expand, God, my purpose. I wanna expand the gifts. I wanna expand the good I can bring in this world. God, I wanna expand that. I wanna shrink some things in my life, time wasters, uh, selfishness, bad attitude. I wanna shrink the temper. God, I wanna shrink the the laziness, the gluttony. I wanna shrink some stuff so I can make room, God, for you. Jesus, you increase, I'll decrease. It leads to the third question. What will you consistently and persistently pursue for the glory of God? Listen to verse 22. Flee the evil desire of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And notice in verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel, instead be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I mean, verse 25 sounds like a nice devotional. Hey, gently share with people, share the hope of God. And then verse 26, because people need to come to their senses. They need to be set free from the devil's trap. I mean, when you make disciples, when you mentor people, It's a powerful work God is doing through you. It's relational, it's transformational. Timothy is stepping into a church and a culture that's messy, that's confused. And Paul says, Timothy, be secure. Know who you are, know whose you are. Know your gifts, know the word. God has you, no one can snatch you from God's hand. Now I want you to venture in. And Timothy, here's the reality in churches. And in Ephesus, Timothy, some people in the church are gonna be so faithful. And there's other people in the church, they're not gonna be faithful. And there's gonna be some in the middle that are kind of trying to do both. And they're not really sure if they wanna pursue God and his kingdom, or if they kinda of wanna just keep sampling some other stuff. And Timothy, just reality, you're gonna have the faithful, you're gonna have the unfaithful. No offense to this section right over here. Uh, and, and, and it's not personal, it's just, I'll switch it. You're faithful, unfaithful, well, no, 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 that doesn't work either. Timothy, this is the reality. Ministry is messy, ministry is messy. And so this is what you need to do in a confused culture. You need to take my word and gently, lovingly, you need to pass it along to other people. It's gonna take clear, courageous communication of my word for the culture to change. So Timothy, get rid of the junk that's slowing you down. Spend time with me and abide, let me fill you up and then go out into the culture and clearly and courageously start to communicate with gentleness and hope. The words I've given to you, Timothy, find some other people that have pure hearts that refuse to wander. Find some of those people and do it together. And you know what? It's gonna work. Because if you abide with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. It's God's promise. It works in every stage and age of life. It works in God's house. It works in your house. It'll work in every house, every situation and condition. You abide with Jesus, you're gonna bear much fruit. So let's abide together. Timothy abided and there was amazing things that God did in Ephesus. And I'll tell you, God's doing some incredible stuff. I'm so glad to be in a church that's pursuing Jesus, amen? Just just encourage each other. Put your hands together, encourage each other. It's so good to be in a church that's pursuing Jesus. Our pursuit is Jesus. We had a family gathering last night, church family, and uh, I just wanna share a couple little glimpses of fruit. This last year, we've had 34 people get baptized. We have had growth in the middle school of 50%. Uh, High school, 30%, Grace Kids, 50%, God's doing something special. And we have over 500 people now serving, pursuing God and his kingdom in their gifts. We've had 99 people join the church family in the last year. We've seen online over 35,000 first-time decisions, then given discipleship content and finding local churches where they live. Uh, These are just some of the things. Why? Because when you abide with Jesus and you say yes to the Lord and his word, God moves. God moves. Timothy, I'll close with you. Timothy, Ephesus. Timothy, starting in the church family, it's time to turn Ephesus to Jesus. It's time to turn Ephesus to Jesus. You know what? Today, you've had some time to think. What's one thing you've identified that you need to run away from? Have you identified yet that today? What's one thing that you really need to Run away. more space, more distance, a change. What is that one thing that God's spoken to you today from his word, from his spirit? What do you need some distance from? What's wasting your time and your passion? What's putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life? What do you need some space from? Identify that today, don't miss that today. And what do you need to run towards? Cause God's calling you. Is it a relationship? Is it in the parenting space? Is it in the workspace? Is it right here in church? Like, is it time in the word? What do you need to run towards? Would you make one shift this week? Running away from one thing, running towards one thing because the Holy Spirit's leading you and you're saying yes to God today. You know what happened when people in Ephesus did that? There was the fruit where more people in Ephesus were turning to Jesus. You know what happens in this gathering when that worship happens, where we run away from something and run towards Jesus? You know what happens in this room? Let's lead Auburn to Jesus. Let's help Bonnie Lake turn to Jesus. Let's help Lee Hill turn to Jesus. We got some high schools. We got some colleges, right? Let's help some students turn to Jesus. Covington turn to Jesus, right? We wanna see Maple Valley turn to Jesus. When God's people, God will strongly support those who are seeking him. He'll strongly support you and empower you to do this week what you couldn't even plan but it starts here with our hearts. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you that you care so much about our relationship with you. Thank you how you move and speak to us. Thank you how you motivate us. Thank you for fresh vision and hope. Thank you, God, for forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, for cleansing and purifying. God, thank you for removing idols. Thank you, Jesus. We lift our eyes to you today. Thank you, God, for stepping away, running away from some stuff together and running towards what you're calling us to. God, it's been amazing last year at Grace. We know it's just a start, God. We thank you, God, how you've set the table. We thank you what you're doing in our lives, God. God, I pray if anyone here doesn't know you, for a first time decision right now to say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. You died for my sins, you're risen. I can't earn it, it's grace, it's a gift. And I say, yes, Jesus, I I wanna follow you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for first time decisions today. Thank you for clarity today in following you together. Thank you, God. God, we're gonna give you all the glory because of your love and faithfulness in our prayer today is Jesus, you would increase and we would decrease. God, forgive us for being sinful, selfish, just so full of ourselves. Jesus, our prayer today is that you would increase and we would decrease as we abide with you. We pray in your name.